my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. It's Geek Stuff, TNG. What the fuck is a reboot? We're gonna be rolling out a lot of new things. Where the stars of this piece of shit? Oh, are you? I am the sandwich. No one of consequence. You can find me on Xbox at Fat Dumbledore. <laughs> you know what keeps going through my head? Where's my sandwich? To all who come to this happy place, welcome. I am West Coast Scott! How the hell did I get roped into this? Show me what you got. Scotty, beam me up. The force is strong with this one. And I am Big Kev. Hail to the king, baby. Yo, that kid Monty is fired. I have Amigo Isis action figure. Almighty Isis. And here we go. So this episode will go up on the 5th of November, November 5th. So Sandwich, what does November 5th mean to you? What's the first thing that pops into your head when I say November 5th? Beyond the Eternals? Yeah. Not, I mean, like, historically, not what's coming out this November 5th. Uh, is that the V from Vendetta Day? That was my question. Does it is it V for Vendetta? Because it is, remember, remember, the 5th of November. Uh, right. And that was, what, the, the gunpowder plot? And then, yeah, I mean, V for Vendetta is in, in the future, but remember, remember the 5th of November is something from history. Yeah, like some guy trying to blow up something in London. Yeah, Parliament. And, yeah. Right. So what I always think of for November 5th, first of all, it's my best friend's uh, wedding anniversary. Um, but the other thing that I think of is November 5th, 1955. What happened on November 5th, 1955? So I went back in time and back to the future. That is when Doc Brown invented, fell off his toilet, hit his head and invented the flux capacitor. So I don't know why I, 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 I felt like, I'm like, I feel like it's 50 something and I, because it was 1985, then he went back to 55, then went forward to 2015. Right. The far-flung future. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so, yeah, you could always remember because it's 30 years from 85, right, backwards and forwards. And, yeah. and so, but yeah, for some reason, November 5th, 1955 always stuck in my head. So, and then when my friend got married on November 5th, that just reminds me every single year, oh, it's his anniversary oh yeah that's november 5th when doc brown invented the flux capacitor but then also i've been seeing the uh you know uh the v for vendetta information very so. important uh geek holiday for yeah. those who don't know yes. there are many important things happening that's right that's right so uh before we jump in we should address that uh mr kev is not with us today he's having some technical difficulties so yes uh, See, the great fury of the hawaiian islands have reached him in the far-flung state of New Jersey. He's been gone too and, long. Uh, yeah, no, the, the the fury of the Hawaiian gods are are mighty. You know, Kevin mm-hmm. likes to say 6,000 miles of safety from him, but what it really is for me is 6,000 miles of safety from them. <laughs> That's right. Because, you know, they're the ones who cause, you know, like hurricanes and mudflies and stuff 
he just causes me back pain when I have to work in the unit. Yeah. So so we'll see if uh, he's able to get his uh, technical difficulties addressed. Maybe he will join us before we are done recording today. But uh, let's jump in and do the old social medias while we're getting started, right? Be sure to follow the show on all the social medias. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It is GeekStuffTNG and all those places. If you would like to interact with the show, you can give us a call at the GVM line. 201-730-2547. Or you can email us. At geeksoftng at gmail.com. Or you can also uh, support us by uh, becoming on Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash geekstufftng. For just a dollar a month, you can have access to our Discord server. For $3 a month, you get these shows early on the, uh, the early bird special. That is when I put this up essentially the day after we record. We're recording a day late on Tuesday, so this will probably go up on Wednesday. Uh, And then it comes out on Fridays for the general public. For $5 a month, you get to be part of the bonus round where you get The Sandwich Shop, uh, which is a weekly, most of the time, show where uh, (laughs) Sandwich tells us what he was up to. last couple of weeks, it's been uh, Dune and Dune again. So, yeah, I watched Dune again. Uh, Definitely a different Dune. Definitely a more uh, upgraded Dune. The hair choices were a little better this time around. But uh, solid film, still. Yeah, I felt like the the new one though was I, I watched both of them over the weekend, and and the new one is almost as slow paced as the old one, which was surprising. Uh, yes. Just uh, and then kind of stops before anything happens. So it's like nothing really major happens in the first Dune movie by Mister. How, how do you say his name? Uh, the new one, yeah. D- Dennis Villanueva. Okay. Or Dennis Villanueva. <laughs> so, so it's any- funny. It had 15 more minutes of actual runtime, but I'll be honest for me a little bit. It felt like it, it much longer than just 15 minutes of actual runtime. Yeah. Cause there was, cause less stuff happens. I mean, right. I mean, it really, yeah. there, there's not a lot of actual plot movement in, in, in the newer one, but so not to spend too much time talking about that, uh, again, if you support us on Patreon, you can get the Sandwich Shop as the bonus show. You also get a vintage episode of Big Kev's Geek Stuff twice a month on the 1st and 15th. So the old episodes come back so you can listen to them again. We're somewhere in 2007 at about episode 65. Ooh. So uh, lots of good stuff there. And then, of course, for $10 a month, you can watch us right here on the Instagram Lives while we try to figure out how to make the sound work without Kev. Yes, because he is the master of that. Uh, sadly, this week on Instagram Live. We will not be doing fun with filters. We'll just be doing fun with doing a podcast. That's right. All right. So let's uh, let's jump into the news. Geek stuff. What's in the news? So I think Superman is in the news yet again. We were just uh, talking about Superman. Was it last week or the week before? Where John Kent, right? Superman and Lois's son. Yes. Uh, came out as bisexual. So uh, this week it is um, the the changing of Superman's motto. What's Superman's motto? What, is is, it like, what does he stand for? It's like truth, justice, and the American way was what it used to be. Yes. And, and now it's truth, justice, and something not about the American way, about like truth, justice, and a better tomorrow, I think. Yeah. And if you remember, even way back in the, the Brandon Routh uh, Superman, Superman Returns, there was a time uh-huh. when uh, whoever was playing Perry, Perry Mason, Perry, not Perry Mason, Perry White, in Superman Returns, he goes, does he still, you know, ask him, you know, he was telling Lois, you got to interview Superman, see where he's been, see if he still stands for truth, justice, all that stuff. So, like, they didn't even say it in Superman Returns, and that was, what, 15 years ago, 10 years ago? 
Yeah, something like that. And, and, and I mean, again, of course, people are freaking out. But, I mean, you, you know, in 2021, the quote-unquote American way has changed a lot. So I don't want to I don't want to get too political, but Superman is a citizen of the world and he's not an American, he's an alien from outer space, right? Yes. So hopefully people are going to I think what this does cuz I feel like for a lot of people the American way has a lot of not polite connotations to it. So by saying and for a better tomorrow yeah, it also does point out that Superman, it's not like he he stops fighting crime at the border. You know what I mean? Superman is a global superhero, so he fights for justice everywhere. So, sure, a better tomorrow. Some people are upset about it, but of all of the things they could have changed, all of the things they're going to change, and all the things they have changed, this is not one of the more important things. This is acceptable. This is fine. Because it doesn't change who Superman is, just because, yeah, it's not doesn't say the American way on the box. It's still the same serial Superman. You know what I mean? It's still the same guy. Same everything. It's just, okay, now it's just better tomorrow. Yeah. I think it's it's more inclusive in a way, but not inclusive in like a, I'm trying to just f- check boxes. It's I'm inclusive in like a smart and like, you know, like a just a better way. It just makes more sense to be like this now. Yeah. I, and I, I agree. And we won't spend too much time on it. I will say a, a different meme that I saw previous to this uh, change it was it said who who um, who we think we are and it shows a picture of superman and it says who we actually are and it showed a picture of um what's his name homelander right <laughs> that's what i thought was kind of funny so anyway uh let's uh, let's keep moving on let's talk about uh dune obviously brought in another 15 million uh over the weekend so it was still number one even over holiday weekend so halloween kills i think was number two um mm-hmm. but it's done Dune's doing all right, but there were a lot of uh, new trailers. Um, did you see? Well, I guess have you seen any trailers? I'll let you start. I've seen a couple trailers. Um, you hit me through the list, and I'll tell you what I've seen. All right. Did you see Buzz Lightyear? I did see Buzz Lightyear. I think I'm the most of all the trailers we might talk about today. I think I'm most excited for the Buzz Lightyear movie. I'll be honest. You can call me a, a giant child if you want. People on on the interwebs or even Kevin at some point, but. The idea of an in-lore Buzz Lightyear movie sounds so cool to me and just so interesting. And it's a way to interact in the Toy Story world, which definitely has to be one of Disney's like highest properties mm-hmm. without just doing the same thing of, oh, we're lost toys. We need to go back to our owner, hijinks and Sue. You know, yeah. it's so much more. And, they, and well, and they pretty much, you know, like even though we thought after Toy Story three they completed the story, they really completed the story in Toy Story four. Yeah. So, but you, yeah, you're right. So now we can come back and see Buzz Lightyear. And if I were to say the the big long term plan, right? You make a Buzz Lightyear movie, and then you make a Buzz Lightyear show that's for Disney Plus. That obviously yes. you downgrade the voice talent, right? You got Chris Evans is is Buzz Lightyear in the movie, and then you get somebody else to play the voice of Buzz Lightyear on the show. But then you create an ongoing Adventures of Buzz Lightyear cart TV show that they can keep getting content out of. So what's funny is back when I was a young warthog, when I was a young warthog, um, they had a Buzz Lightyear like cartoon TV show about Buzz Lightyear when he was like a space guy. I forget what the official term for it is, and like space fighting crime ranger. In space. Yeah, space ranger. I want to say cadet. Like I know he's not a cadet, but I don't want to. So they had that show. So I would love for them to do it again. 
they definitely I, the the one they did when I was a kid was a little more cartoony. Kevin will remember; he's about my age. Right. Um, but <laughs> you know, I I've, I'm excited for the prospect of just anything more Toy Story because Toy Story was definitely one of my favorite things about Disney as a whole. I was saying we can do like a Woody movie at some point and like the Woody storyline, you know, of him as like in his TV show or something or anything. Yeah. We can make a, a Buzz Lightyear 2 movie where he fights Zerg. You know, right. we can do so much. Yeah, I would I would hope that Zerg shows up in the Buzz Lightyear movie at least at some point. Or at least allude to him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, but again, maybe they're maybe they're going to save that for uh, Buzz Lightyear too. But so yeah, so that that looked it looked pretty good. Uh, what about the the Morbius uh, trailer? I did see the Morbius trailer. Uh, it gave away a little more, I think, which was fun, good. You know, we I don't know the story yet, but I like it. So, I think everyone saw the Sam Raimi Spider Man in the background of that one shot, and then the illusion to venom and then the vulture so i don't know what verse this is supposed to be the mcu sony raimi verse or whatever you want to call it now but they're going full on everything that we can pull into this movie is a part of it now I, i mean yeah sony wants to tie as many strings to the mcu as they possibly can right because that's going to keep people interested in in their characters. Uh, and and it, 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 this is the, I don't know, the, the kind of the trope of the reluctant vampire, right? He's, yeah. he's he's animalistic. He's got these urges to drink blood, but he's, you know, he, he was a doctor. So now he also, you know, his ultimate goal is to help people, but he's going to have this, you know, internal compulsion to, to kill and drink blood, right? So it's, he's going to yes. always have that, that inner conflict, but that does help him to not justify when he's killing people, but at least make him feel bad about it, right? Like, he's not yeah. killing people because he wants to, he's killing people because he has to kind of thing. So that's, that's the anti-hero. That's the way you get Morbius. You can justify a bad guy, yeah. ma- main character, right? So, so now my question is, where does this take place now in the the storyline, in the, in the canon storyline? Is it leading into are we all leading into the spider-man movie coming up is it going to be taking place after because i'm pretty sure it comes out early next year where spider-man comes out the end of this year so so yeah so i mean if it's after spider-man i would assume that the events happen after spider-man because it's yeah it's january of 2022 and so that just with all those jokes about venom and you and seeing the um the vulture and and the Raimi Spider-Man. I mean, yeah. So it's like we're just into the multiverse, right? There's just all yeah. bets are off with who's playing who and and all these crossovers. So, uh, you know, I guess Wanda and Doctor Strange broke the multiverse, and who knows what's going to happen, right? Oh yeah. And how I are, mean, and how are they going to fix? It? I mean, they'll have to fix it by defeating Kang, which is who knows how many movies down the road, right? Exactly. And and, and I, then, I hope it's something we build into. Yeah. I hope it's something that we like you don't just one movie do it i hope it's an ongoing adventure yeah. of defeating him how, how many movies did it take for endgame how many total was up to endgame you're watching them it was all. Like 23 right so at, at least at least over 20 i think it was 23 including endgame yeah so i mean you know hopefully they last at least half that you know maybe they don't go 
20 movies in for the next full big bad, you know, and maybe they'll keep introducing them so that they won't have such a, I mean, I, as the universe continues to grow, I would assume that it's going to keep getting harder and harder to do one movie or one yeah. pair of movies that gets everybody in it like Endgame did, right? So hopefully they won't try to do that. They'll just, mm -hmm. you know, we'll go, you know, five or six movies and then get a big group of everybody together, but not every single MCU character in one movie, right? Yeah. It'll be like Loki and Sylvie maybe, and then Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. And then who knows who else. Yeah, Doctor Strange, Wanda, and then the Eternals, right? And, and then that's who we're going to need for Kang, right? I mean, theory, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I I'm wondering now also how many of these shows count into the movie amounts of this because they did. I feel like Wanda counts. I feel like Loki's counting, and then we're getting a season two of Loki. So who literally knows how many this is going to take to yeah. get this done? Yeah, I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see how integrated the the Disney Plus shows are. Well, because I mean, and Captain America: Winter Soldier too. Because when you the next time you see uh, Anthony Mackie, he's going to be Captain America in a movie. So yeah, you know, it, it is all moving that way. So let's see. Uh, I saw an article talking about the Thunderbolts. I think we should save that for uh, when when Kev's back. But it looks like they're going to be working on a Thunderbolts movie, like we had thought. So we'll we'll hold that one for Kev. Um. Some more casting news. Brendan Fraser is going to be the bad guy in the Batgirl movie. And it looks like that character name is Firefly. I wish we could have OG say that so he could play the bit. <laughs> Even though it has nothing to do with the show Firefly. Um, but yeah, so Brendan Fraser, uh, who's currently working on another DC property, Doom Patrol. Right? So that'll be interesting uh, that he's playing two different... Well, I guess, is the Batgirl universe anyway connected to the Titans Doom Patrol universe... Because yeah. you said you said I think last week we were talking about that it it did cross over in the Crisis CW you saw the Titans just for a moment right yeah so yeah they're there for like a split second but I don't think that they're connecting the multiverse yet like they did for the MCU I think there's still at least for now God knows what they have planned up in their Cauldron of Doom. Uh, <laughs> what the plan is for DC's multiverse going forward. I hope that we're not involving, you know, every single entity into one because it's the, the level of product that we get in the Disney plus TV shows is movie quality content. Honestly, mm -hmm. if you watched all of the MCU movies, not the movies, the TV shows, in one big thing. Yeah, it'd be a long-ass movie. But if you didn't know any better, it feels and the pacing is like a movie. The DC TV shows do not have that quality. And it's not me disparaging the quality of the TV show. It's just saying it's not movie quality. So, you know. I mean, yeah. Well, when you think about it, right? Like the CW, the Arrowverse, right? I mean, that's a regular network television show which is different than a streaming service like Disney Plus, like Netflix, right? Like the quality of a Netflix show or a Disney Plus show is different than a network television show, which is a big reason why people don't watch network television shows anymore, right? I mean, we got used to stuff, you know, we started with, you know, it's not TV, it's HBO, right? With the Sopranos and stuff like that. And then Netflix came out and we started watching Netflix originals and now Disney Plus. So like the, just the quality is different from a, a, 
like a like an Arrowverse show where they have to crank out 22 episodes a year, right? And make and, like and make room for commercials, right? I mean, exactly, right? So speaking speaking of the Arrowverse, right? The Flash's next crossover event is going to be called Armageddon, and so it's going to be the first crossover that's not going to have Oliver Queen or Supergirl, right? So Ooh, I'm so excited, <laughs> I can't contain it. The Flash, all of those shows, honestly, I can't say, I don't know, I can't say a single person I know who is actively part of watching the Arrowverse anymore. And I, a lot of my friends were really, and I mean really invested into the Arrowverse. Like, they were watched every season of Arrow. They didn't even blink about it. They're fully caught up on Flash and Legends and Supergirl. Like, really into the Arrowverse. And we've all fallen off. All of them. So, and you watched it too, right? You, you were into the... At the beginning, I I did a good bit of it. I've seen Legends, I've seen Supergirl, I saw a good bit of Flash and a good bit of Arrow. I didn't finish any of them, obviously. I didn't finish Arrow or Supergirl, and I'm not caught up on anything else. I've I've been off of that stuff. I, I want to say maybe 2018, 2019. So was it that there got to be too many characters and too spread out, or and so there was too much content? So you just say, well, I can't watch it all, so screw it, I won't watch any of it, or. Was the quality not that great? What do you? I mean, if you had the to say the quality for me, and the had quality such slipped, a steep drop off. Yeah. It it wasn't even a slip. A slip I could take, but just like it felt like the same. The thing for me that always bothered me. I'm going to use Flash as my example. We start the season off with some villain who is kicking Barry's ass, and over the course of twenty episodes, they say, "Run, Barry, run." about 50 times <laughs> and Barry runs faster and faster uh, outsmarts the villain eventually by running faster and they say wow good job we did it and that's the end so now, that is a very very rough sketch of the seasons but I've basically told you seasons one through eight of Flash I think they're on eight now he just keeps getting the faster arrow, and that's it yeah, he keeps getting faster that's it the arrow was okay uh, you failed this city, you failed this city, you failed this city, I failed this city, you failed this city, okay, I died. <laughs> now, and how long did they keep doing the flashback where half the episode was training, half the episode was oh my God. current? Like, that went on for, and that's what, like, I got sick of when of, I tried to watch it. Of the eight seasons, I think five or six of those seasons had flashbacks. And the, the thing was, in the beginning, in the first season, it's like, okay, this is kind of cool. And even the first, like, I'll take three seasons of it. Three seasons, I wouldn't have even bad an eye. How much did he do in five years on this secluded island he spent his entire time on? Oh, so you're telling me he actually spent a year there and then four years traveling abroad and then went back to the island. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not opposed to that format because one, one of my favorite vampire shows was called Forever Night. Have you ever heard of Forever Night? No, I can't say I have. Um it was not not a not a high quality show, but it again I like vampire stuff. So it was you know you get a you get a reluctant vampire, much like Morbius, right? He was made a vampire in the 1400s, and now he lives in modern day Toronto. And uh, the vampire that made him is like a late night radio talk show host. So still in Tor- in Toronto, they tend to like follow each other around the world as they moved as they aged and aged and aged. And so now in current times, he is trying to figure out a cure for vampirism. He wants, he wants to stop being a bad guy. So now he's a cop. He's a, 
a nighttime cop in Toronto. Oh, and also there, there's a love triangle because there's a woman that, that he at one point had a relationship with and now they've kind of broken up. So it's the three vampires, two guys and a girl, you know, very much like the, the Anne Rice stuff, very much like Twilight, you know, kind of a similar vibe to it. But every episode, whatever's happening now would remind him of something that happened in the past. So he would think back, so there would be flashbacks, and then those flashbacks would help him solve whatever problems he's got now. And lots of times it would be some other vampire or some other character that lives forever that is has come back to, to mess with him a second time. So that's why, yeah. you know. So again, but the, the, the flashback and the current events always went together. And I didn't, I liked it, but it was also, the, it was only on for three seasons. If that goes on for five, six seasons, I bet that would probably get old also. Yeah. So, all right. No, it's just not, it's not good stuff. <laughs> so let's, let's move on. Let's stick back with, uh, with Disney plus. Did you see the book of Boba Fett trailer? I did see the book of Boba Fett trailer and I was so, it, it feels like star Wars, Goodfellas, Godfather. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's and like, like the, it's the, just... the mini saints of Tatooine, right? I mean, we were ready to go. <laughs> That, that is the name of this week's episode, The Many Saints of Tatooine. Got it. Um, basically, yeah. I, I just love the feel of it. I hope, I hope, I don't know if they've even confirmed it yet. I hope we get, saying it now, The Many Saints of Tatooine, I want like eight seasons of this. Yeah. <laughs> I want the many books of Boba Fett. It really does look good. But also, when you think about, think about the original Empire Strikes Back, right? You know, Boba Fett's in it for just, a few minutes, and then he kind of dies very lamely in uh, Return of the Jedi. And, you know, but yet he just looked so cool and he just built this following over the years. And then all of a sudden he shows up in The Mandalorian, just kicking ass, gets his armor back, becomes a main character in The Mandalorian for the last few episodes. And it's like, and now he's going to have his own show. Like, that's, ex I, th I feel like that is like payoff for 30 years of liking this minor character you finally get something out of it. You're finally rewarded for all all the stuff that you thought about Boba Fett. Now you get to see, oh yeah, he was worth it. Oh yeah. But up until, I mean, you know, because again, I know he had plenty of stuff happen in the comics and stuff, in the books and stuff, but most casual fans that still liked Boba Fett never got to see any of that, right? So, exactly. so I, again, I'm, I'm excited. And I also like that, you know, that it's the same actor that, you know, played the clone. I mean, all of that, I just, it, it's really... I, I like that about it. I am excited for the book of Boba Fett. I think it's going to be really good. Oh yeah, no, it's it's great. I don't know why, but the, the scene of him coming out after he got his armor with it all clean now and stuff, and like ready to kick ass. I feel like it. If I didn't know going into the intro, the reintroduction of Boba Fett, but the fact that he's getting his own TV show now, and I'm I can't imagine we're not going to have some kind of like allusion to more of his past or stuff he's done like it's exciting even if they don't even if they don't i'm not going to complain because it just still looks like a fantastic show of him running the underground of tatooine well the and... first the first five seasons it's going to be half of the episode now and the other half's a flashback to the sarlacc pit where he's just sitting there in the sarlacc pit getting digested over a thousand years so that's what's going to be the whole the whole first five seasons <laughs> That would be fantastic. All right, I, I would, I would just watch the biology lesson of how to get digested in a Sarlacc. Right. Uh, okay. How about uh, Witcher over on Netflix? Did you see The Witcher season two? Um, I saw that one as well. I am a Witcher fan, and I'm very, very excited for this. Um, 
it looks interesting. I I know a little about where in theory they might be going. I didn't read the books because I didn't even know there were books. I played the video games though, and the video games are really fun. Right. So this is, uh, this is a show based the time, on the but... the show's based on the books, and then the video game was based on the books, right? But the show's not based yes. on the video game. Which is funny because they they in the trailer they said based off the best selling book series, and I'm thinking to myself, oh yeah, yeah, there <laughs> were books first. If they had said based off the best selling like video game series, it wouldn't have even batted an eye. But technically, it's not. It's all based off of a book. Yeah, I mean, and again, what I like about something like Witcher is I don't know any of the the content, right? I don't know any of the characters. You know, so again, it's a new story. Just like Doom Patrol's new characters for me, just like yeah. uh, Umbrella Academy's new to me. So Witcher, I don't know anything about it, and I mean, man, it, Witcher's really in my wheelhouse, right? Because I always liked the the Dungeons and Dragons fantasy stuff, like yes. more than I like sci-fi, but I like fantasy. And I mean, Witcher, man, it really hits the fantasy. You got you got monsters, you know, you got magic, you got sword mm. fights, and those sword fight, the fight choreography in Witcher. Was, oh was bad ass. So I'm looking for looking forward to season two. The, the first for those who haven't seen The Witcher, you don't have to watch the entire series. Watch the first episode, or even particularly watch the fight in what's what's the name of that town? Some of the B. Yeah, I don't remember, but I mean, yeah, that, the I, very first fight, right, where he just yeah, yeah, he just slaughters a gang. It's amazing. Um, I just, I love The Witcher. I really do like it because it's. It's all of the fun and deep magic of Lord of the Rings and all of the sex and violence of Game of Thrones. All of the best parts of that put together. That's how I describe The Witcher. So I am so heavily excited for this. Yeah, and I would also say if you haven't watched season one yet, it it, it can be a little confusing because it's kind of unclear how the yeah, until characters... The end, right, yeah. it, it, you know, they're building to something, and... I promise you it's worth it by the end, but at the, you know, the, your three kind of main characters are kind of at separate points and it takes a while for that to come together. But then yeah. I, I, so I think that when we get to season two, all of that confusion is going to be gone and our main characters are going to be, yeah, we're, we're all back. Whatever. So if you're going to watch the Witcher before season two comes out, I would recommend two watch throughs one time to get the story a second time to put all the pages together of the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely, like, when I got finished, I, I don't have time to watch things twice, but when I yes. finished, I would, you know, I would watch the videos of, you know, here's how to understand what happened in The Witcher, yes. right? Here's how to understand what happened in David Lynch's so, Dune. Why, you know, what was that weird blobby fish thing, right? That that kind of stuff. The only reason I, I had to watch this because I had watched it, then I introduced my girlfriend to it. So then I got the second watch through of, like, she's like, oh, Oh, so what's this? It's like, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm still figuring it out right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and so, I mean, again, but I, I like, I, I guess, here's the thing with, with shows. When they're a good quality, like The Witcher, you have to pay attention to them. And it has to be a good quality for me to pull me away from my phone, unfortunately. My, you know, my attention span is shot. And so in order for me to do just one thing and watch a show, it has to be really high quality because I just, you know, I can't do it, which the bad news about that is I have this list of things that I want to see that I'm like, uh, do I have the energy to devote the attention to watch this show or that show? No, I really want to pay attention to this. So I'm going to, and I keep putting it off, you know, 
because uh, it's something I know that I'll need to, to pay attention to. And then, you know, so then you end up watching kind of crap shows that you just kind of put on in the background while you play on your phone, and you know, you're not getting the good content. You're absorbing the content that you don't really care about. So that's that's one of my personal issues with, and that's why I don't have time to watch something a second time. It's like there's too many things that I know are good that if I could muster up the energy to pay attention to, I would be watching. So... I mean, because honestly, I was on my phone for a good bit of both dunes, you know. And I paid more attention to the David Lynch one that I watched this weekend uh, just because I knew it was going to be weird. Uh, and the Dennis Villeneuve one, I mean, I felt like there was just lots of scenes where there wasn't a lot happening. It was just, you know, big, big raising music and long, uh, you know, slow shots of the desert scape. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I can kind of check my email while that's going on or scroll through Twitter or what have you. So. Exactly. Again, and I feel bad. That's also why I kind of miss the movie theater experience, right? Because when you're watching something, no matter how good the quality of your TV and your sound system at home, if you go to the movie theater, you pay attention a lot better, I do at least, than if I'm yeah. watching it at home. So, you know, if you do the same thing, you know, how distracted are you by that? Call our GVM line and tell us. 201-730-2547. All right, let's, uh, let's stick with some uh, video game movie tv show slash news what about hbo max is the last of us uh there was a trailer for that that was released. no there wasn't a trailer it's just i'm just you know i want to mention it um it's coming out i don't know when it's supposed to be coming out but tell me about the last of us have you played the game i didn't i played a bit of the game i know the story i played a bit of the game at my friend's house i've seen some footage not like officially released footage but footage of like someone recording like filming basically from like 80 feet in the air essentially on like their phone yeah yeah it's in it's um, in production right now so it, it'll be i'm not sure exactly what it's coming out what i did see is j just simply them walking down the street i'm like how the hell how the hell did they manage to match the walking goddamn perfectly <laughs> how the hell do you just do a walk and i'm like wow i feel like i'm watching the game that's funny so what was the premise of the game so essentially, um, it's not really a spoiler at this point. Uh, there's a guy who his job is to take this girl who is, spoiler alert, to a game who's a couple years old at this point, who, who's immune to zombies, to the zombie virus. Take her from Boston to, like, Colorado, to this university in Colorado, where, in theory, uh, they, can use, they can take her DNA and use it to make a cure. Okay. So it so it is a zombie game, zombie movie. Yeah. So essentially, it's, it's like The Walking Dead, but it's like the later seasons of The Walking Dead too. Where it's like, yeah, there are zombies, but it's more about like interactions with people. How are people? Because it's like it takes place like thirty years, or twenty years. Like it takes place a good amount of time. I forget exactly how many years after the zombies showed up first. So like, there's already civilizations built up like boston or new york i forget i thought we come from boston is like already like a set-off city where people are living and there are kids being born who didn't know anything like the girl who was your uh ward essentially she was born and raised in the virus doesn't know anything before the virus and you know so right. yeah. there is a good bit of time i saw a thing the just this week speaking of zombies and it was talking about why most zombie movies don't use the word zombie uh -huh. and it turned out that for a while marvel owned the trademark to the word zombie 
like yeah. in in like the seventies, late seventies, early eighties, I think it was. So that was just so you like literally couldn't use the word. And like today, the the I think the word has they, like they no longer have the trademark, so it's just kind of a general term now. But I just think <laughs> that that's kind of interesting that lots of the zombie movies in the you know, did not use the term. And of course, in like The Walking Dead. Um, Kirkman has said, well, in this universe, there never was a zombie. There's never been a story about a zombie. It just doesn't exist. So no, nobody knew what to call them because that word doesn't exist because zombies never existed before, even in the fiction of his world. But anyway, I just, you know, I just thought that was interesting learning that right. that was a zombie movie. <laughs> All right. So do you think we should uh, take a break? I think breaks are good. All right. Well, without Big Kev, I will say we will take a break on uh, our first and only break. On episode 657 of Geeks of TNG, The Mini Saints of Tatooine. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. We need to get the word out that the listeners can be involved with Geek Stuff TNG directly by using our GVM line 201. 7302547. Hmm. Maybe we could use our seductive voices? Huh? Our what? All right, here. Let's read these lines in our most seductive voices, like this. <clears throat> hey there. We want you to be a part of Geek Stuff TNG with your questions and your. Hmm comments oh <clears throat> that's right we want you to tell us what's mm, on your mind what we are doing that you <laughs> like <coughs> so call us on the gvm line 201-730-2547 and you may hear yourself uh an upcoming episode of Geek Stuff TNG. <laughs> wow. Wow. What? Okay, here we go. I'm James Hatton. And I'm Podcast Rob. And we're the Something Something Cast. We're a pop culture podcast that chats about movies, comics, TV, music, video games, and a whole lot more. Check us out at our home at somethingcast.com. And also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and other fine podcatchers as well. Proud members of Hashtag Potter and Family and ACPN, the Art, Comedy, and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Hey, Geek Stuff listeners. It's West Coast Scott here. Did you know I do a podcast with my lovely wife? Say hi, Brittany. Hi. Tell them about our podcast. We do a weekly podcast where we talk about travel, conventions, Disneyland, and our growing family. It's called the PieCast because we got married on Pi Day, and it's available wherever you find your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media at Pi Day Family, and my new Twitter handle is at Pi Day Scott. Check us out. Build your own X-wing. Luke Skywalker's legendary Red Five Starfighter from the Star Wars saga. The X-Wing is recreated in stunning detail in a massive 1 to 18 scale and comes complete with remote-activated working lights, R2-D2 motorized wings, removable hyperdrive opening cockpit, 
and a magazine full of fascinating facts, plus an amazing step-by-step -step assembly guide. You will also receive a free binder, power pack, and bookends model space. Hi, it's Rose McIver. You are listening to Geek Stuff. Live from the sandwich shop and Padre Productions in sunny Southern California, it's Geek Stuff TNG. During our commercial break, you heard from our amazing sponsor, BuildXWing.com. This model is a 118th scale, making it the only fully scaled, fully detailed X-Wing ever made for use with their three and three quarter Star Wars action figures. This X-Wing features many amazing details, like the Proton Torpedo Bay, working engine lights, and a light-up R2-D2. You can add your own boops, bops, and beeps. The S-foils open into attack position. The laser cannons simulate firing, and the engine lights power up, all by remote control. We recommend you take them up on their do-do-do-do-do-do premium offer. You get 118 scale hanger accessories to create a detailed display of your X-Wing, including crates, tanks, personnel transporter, landing lamps, fuel pump, ladder, as well as several static figures, including Grand Crew members, and even Luke Skywalker himself. When you sign up for your subscription each month, in addition to your parts of the model, you'll get four full card magazines featuring instructions for the parts you've received, fascinating articles about the original models used in the movies, and more. You can collect these great source materials in a free binder, which you'll receive as part of your subscription. As a fan of collectibles, you may have seen models like this online or at shows or conventions. And I don't need to tell you, the price tag can be quite high. The genius of this system is that you're paying a little each month as well as having fun putting it together yourself. You can check out more info over at buildxwing.com or reach them by phone at 877-544-6779. Check them out today. Nice. And what, uh, which box are you on for the Build X Wing over at the uh, Product Archives? Uh, we are on 88. 88. As you said. Exactly what you said, right? Yes. Well, see, see, now it's what Kevin said, and I was wrong. <laughs> I think we can pull the tape. We can pull the tape on that one. We can go back and find out exactly which one. It's, it's okay. I'll let him dream. He's having a rough day, so I don't, I don't want to rub it down. He is having a rough day. So uh, as we start uh, segment two here, uh, again, Kev was having some computer issues, so he will not be joining us. Doesn't look like he's going to make it into this episode today. Uh, so let's uh, let's jump into a little uh, video game news. Ooh. So it looks like the, uh, what is it, PS5, Grand, Grand Theft Auto V on PS5 had some uh, deleted tweets where maybe they said something they weren't supposed to say. Now, do you? Which console are you? I mean, I know you're a, you're a PC gamer now, but what what yes. console did you or what console did you use? I was on Xbox One for a long time, and you were on Xbox, and now you're on the PC. I'm on the PC. Uh, I haven't really played GTA on the on the PC yet because I know it gets kind of crazy with all the mods and the cheating and whatnot. So. So it looks There's like uh, Rockstar confirmed the GTA trilogy is going to be released digitally on November 11th. So, so you weren't mm -hmm. a you you weren't a GTA guy. 
oh, I love GTA. I just haven't played it on the PC yet because all my friends don't play it. And it's way more fun to play a game like that with your friends because, you know, you get to the online. It's that time of the night. We turn on the black light. Let the dungeons and the dragons begin. It's D&D. Fighting with the legends of yore. It's D&D. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. The, the Dungeons & Dragons stinger just played, so I guess there's some new Dungeons & Dragons news today? Oh, 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 is there, folks? Oh, is there. Uh, in front of me, I have the special cover, which we'll appreciate for a minute, of Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons. Wait, that's the regular the, cover. This is the regular cover? Yeah. Okay, I thought you said the special cover, so that's fine. I might have said special on accident, but this is the regular cover I'm holding up for the camera right now. I'm trying to get that on all the shots. And then this is the special cover. Ooh, and ah. That's nice. So it's got like a nice wraparound cover. Um, this is the newest source book to grace the shelves for Dungeons and Dragons. And it's all about dragons. The titular uh, monster, creature, whatever you want to call it, for Dungeons and Dragons. And so uh, this one's introducing gem dragons, right? We've never seen gem dragons before. Is that is that the deal? They used to I be mean, it's, metals it's, it's and not, colors. It's it's not even just gem dragons. It's so it's so much more. I mean, it's gem dragons. It's it's like five different kinds of gem dragons: deep dragons, uh, dragon turtles, fairy dragons, gold dragons. I mean, like every kind of dragon imaginable and even ones that we couldn't imagine before have been introduced in this book so is it is it like the monster manual gives you all the stats and everything or is it more so yeah i mean we have um like <laughs> 20 new essential 20 new dragons uh, a couple new types of dragons that like I said, had been introduced before anywhere. Um, some variations of dragons that I couldn't even think of. Like one of them is an elder brain dragon. So for those who don't play uh, Dungeons and Dragons, an elder brain is like the main central brain, like mind hub of mind flayers. So it's a dragon that can turn you into a mind flayer, hmm. which in itself is terrifying. And then even like there's just so much. There's new sub. There's new races, racial options. So, with new dragons, they introduced new dragonborns. So now there's gem dragonborns, and they expanded on chromatic dragonborns and whatnot. And it's just for two new subclasses, which a dragon monk, which monks are definitely an underappreciated subclass, definitely probably the worst subclass, uh, but. The new subclass is awesome. And then also the Ranger, also down there in power, but a fantastic Ranger subclass. And then just just so just so much more. There's so much in this book. I I look this is one of my favorite books to come out in a long, long, long time. I have not enjoyed a book from page to page like this for DD in a while. I enjoyed every single bit of this book as I went through it. This isn't something you probably need if you're new to D&D. &D. You don't need to get this book. 
I mean, but at some point, you don't you need. definitely should. You don't no, need every is, single yeah. D&D book on your shelf, but that doesn't mean no, that you don't want you know every I, single so book on your as shelf. As an addict, as an addict, um, I think you should get every D&D book. But if you're just starting out, you don't in theory need this, but you should definitely look into it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's, there's just so much, and it's so just fun. One of my favorite things they introduced about this, too, which has been a problem I've felt as a player and as a DM is that when you get to later levels of Dungeons and Dragons, you're kind of limited in the options for the things that you can throw or be thrown at like enemy wise. There's only so many creatures that go past challenger rating like 12. You know, the, the list is very thick from one to five of creatures you can throw at your players or creatures that can be thrown at you. And then it's a little shorter, 5 to 10. And then once you get past 10, the list gets a lot shorter. So then there's only like three creatures for CR 14. I don't know if that that's not an exact number, but you know what I mean. The numbers get less and less and less. So let me ask you a question. As a DM yes. and as a player, how how long does it take? If you're, if you're playing a game, like how often do you play? Do you play every week? I have two games I play in a week. One where I DM and one where I'm a player. Okay, so so playing once a week, how long would it take to get a player from level 1 to level 10? It really depends on if you're running a module or a homebrew. Um, there are some modules that take like 2-3 months to run, and then you get to 5. And then in theory, you could run another one and get them from 5 to like 13. So, so, so it does take time. But realistically... You know, six months. If you're playing every week, within six months, yes. your character is going to be pretty high level. And so yeah. then, do you do you just let those characters go and start over, or what do you do? So, when we're playing D and D in my group, I mean, like it's it's essentially one group, but like different people in the Venn diagram of that group. Um, we plan to at some point, unless something goes horribly wrong, it's a lot of homebrew campaigns we run that we want to get to twenty at some point. Now, do we get there all the time? No, we've only ever gotten there once because of uh, one thing or another, the party died or the campaign kind of lost its luster or here or there, whatever it is. So you can't really ever plan to get to level 20. That shouldn't be a plan because so many things can go wrong in a D&D game that you can't plan to make it to the end because you don't know unless you're making a doing a one shot where everyone's level 20 and you want to just throw all right, everyone go nuts and have fun, but I don't really like the the idea of that. But, you know, outside of my play group, there definitely is people who just play all the time, play like two or three times a week, you know, and they're just retiring characters all the time. It's like, all right, cool, we're at 20 now. All right, now we're done. All right, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then they're probably, the problem is they're running into the same things over and over again. There's only so many times where you can fight you know, uh, uh, some kind of demon or whatever, because that's all they have really for you at level 18. You could fight the demon, and that's basically it, because we've run out of other things to make up for you. This book has so many things, so many new and interesting options for you for things to fight, even beyond dragons. I mean, there are, it's a lot of dragons. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a book about dragons. But there's other things in this book that they throw at you, and so many new things and it's so exciting and they i love when they do like they do pre-written dungeons like oh if you're fighting a red dragon here's what a red dragon dungeon could look like 
I love the idea of that because it, it makes it so much more approachable for a new DM to be like, listen, you the, the idea of drawing out a dungeon can be very daunting for new DMs. I feel that way because I've, I've seen the new DMs, you know, it's they, they get scared or, you know, it's kind of, kind of becomes like a basic, okay, the square map, uh, hallway up the middle and then four alleyways and that's the battle map. And they might change the flavor of what that is but it's essentially the same dungeon every time, which isn't a bad thing because it takes time to get into figuring out how dungeons work. Well, with the pre-done dungeons, you have the map all set up for you. All you gotta do is draw it. And then the, the professional people have made it so, oh, this is going to be fun. And you don't have to worry about like, oh, I hope this is fun for everyone. And I hope this works. People have made sure it works. And that's fun. It's great. It's so nice to have Listen, I, I, I appreciate the creativity that people have of, you know, making this great new world and building these wonderful dungeons and interesting characters. But it is nice that sometimes to be running a campaign and some of the work's done for you already. It just makes life so much easier and it makes it so much more approachable to become a DM. Because yeah. everyone wants to be a player, but not everyone wants to be a DM. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's it. It's like, the, but these books... I mean, honestly, when I was a kid and I was into Dungeons and Dragons, like no, none of my friends were. I was the only one that really liked mm -hmm. D and D, and uh, you know, and I bought the books and I had them, and I would just sit around and and like create the dungeons. I would draw the little maps and and stock the rooms and write the flavor text, and you know, and then never end up playing it because nobody. I didn't know a lot of people that wanted to play it, but I mean, the using the books to and reading through the books to say, oh, this would be a good idea for a dungeon, and just trying to think about all the different stuff. I think that that's. I mean, that's what these books are for, and I, I, I think they're fun, and I just want to have them. So. I, I love the idea that we're at a point in D&D now. Yes, I, I really do enjoy modules, because modules just add so much fun and enjoyment to players, and it is a great way to introduce people into the game. But with these source books coming out and just taking the things we have and just throwing more spice into the D&D stew that is 5e it's great because now there's so much there's so much that so many ideas I've gotten from this book for my games it's ridiculous I could never do it all in one game and that's fantastic that means I have ideas just from this book alone that I could literally take years to figure out and that's great and then every single, like, four books a year. We're getting another source book in November, this month, at the time of recording. We're getting another source book that's basically Hogwarts. That's freaking cool. People like that. People like new flavors. I love the idea of just expanding what we have and just making it so much richer. You know it's not, okay, there's five, dra there's ten dragons you could fight. There's the chromatic ones. Or there's the I, I keep blanking on the name for the other ones, you know. Oh, the metallic, the, the metallic, the metallic, and the chromatic ones. Yeah. There's these ten dragons. That's it. Well, now there's like, like thirty other new ones. There's so much. I mean, like, like just, just it's so cool. And like the new dragon types, like the the gem dragons are so cool. And there's like aspects of Tiamat, which are like, like okay, I I I have to like look at that. Look how beautiful that looks for those who can see the picture. Like, it's so cool. Well, I'm glad. It's I'm, so awesome. I'm glad you. I, I feel like you should be uh, getting uh, 
some sponsorship from uh, Wizards of the Coast for this uh, glowing endorsement of uh, Fizzbang's. Tre- is it Fizzbang's Treasury of Dragons? Fizzbang's Treasury of Dragons, a fantastic Dungeons and Dragons book. If you're a D and D fan, if you're playing, I know before I say you don't have to get it, but maybe you should get it. Maybe you should just immediately go to your local game store first, because always support your local stores. Find this book in any way you can. Get your hands on it, because I'm telling you, this is going to be a book that is going to impact D&D for a long time. Because I, I don't see 5e going away for a while. I know they're talking about later next year, they want to do some revision and stuff, whatever. Listen, this is a fantastic, fantastic Dungeons & Dragons book. I have not been inspired by a book like this in a long time. In a long time. Yeah, and hopefully so, it'll just be like 5e+. plus. Like, they won't eliminate everything. They'll just kind of just keep it going because it seems like it's going really well. I, I think 5e is... And once again, my scope of the history of D&D is so much smaller than, you know, some of the other people who are more entrenched in it than, you know... Th- there are people on the show, uh, present company included, who have such a, a deeper history with this than me. But I think 5e is one of the best decisions that they've ever done because it's so easy to jump into it it's so easy and it's so it's so much less like intimidating and especially with the way critical role is going you know and yeah, yeah top burner on on twitch critical role yes uh stranger things is talking about D and you know the people who were playing D now run media so <laughs> you know it's it can only go up from here. Yeah, it, it really can still is. Still keep going. I mean, when you when you think about how popular it is and how mainstream it is compared to, like I said, when when I was, you know, in seventh eighth grade, I literally knew two people of all the people that I knew that were even interested in Dungeons and Dragons. Everybody else was like, no, like no interest at all. It's just not yeah. something you know. It's just it wasn't it wasn't popular at all. So. All right, I think we should, uh, let's wrap up the uh, D&D segment. Here. It's D&D, warriors that terrify. It's D&D. So let's, uh, let's move on to a little bit of product. There's uh, only one that I'm going to talk about today without Kev, because I'm going to save the other one for when Kev's here. Um, did you see the deluxe Prince Purple Rain statue? I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Are you a Prince fan at all? I enjoy Prince. Uh, I did not see the statue. It sounds pretty cool, though. I mean, I'm I'm a huge Prince fan, and uh, you know, I mean, I was devastated when he died, and I spent the entire night that he passed away watching all of the all of the Prince movies, and um, you know, I've got some Prince stuff right up here on my wall. So this is uh, by Sideshow, right? So again, you know, it's quality when it's coming from Sideshow, and I want to show you on the screen here. So it's Prince on his Purple Rain motorcycle. Okay. I'm going to show you. I don't know. Can you see it? That's awesome. And, That's incredible. And so how much do you think it is? Sideshow. Who? It's Sideshow? Yeah. Is it like Iron Studios through Sideshow? <laughs> it is, uh, let's see. That'll be my only question for him. It's, it's one six scale Sideshow. Uh, it's ten and a half inches by seventeen inches wide. Prince should I'm be going, respectable. I'm, go- I'm gonna go three fifty. Higher. Five fifty? It's eight 
hundred bucks. Uh, and it's uh, it's going to ship somewhere between December of 2022 and February of 2023. Oh. And I mean, oh. again, I love Prince, but I'm not going to spend 800 bucks on that. But man, I want it real bad. I really like it. It is beautiful. I, mean, I would love to have that just on display. But I mean, 800 bucks is a high price point. That's so prohibitive. Yeah. That's so prohibitive to make it. Eight fifty, you said it was. Eight hundred, seven ninety five, seven ninety five. Still, eight hundred dollars. Listen, I, I know people are gonna buy it, but like, it's so much. It really is. It's a little too much. Not even. A, it's a lot of much. Yeah, I mean, like, how That's much not... is a is like a Batman black and white statue? How much is kind of your average? Like one six oh. scale kind of statue? Would you say? I mean, it's it's not eight hundred. I no. mean. I haven't seen anything on Sideshow. E- like, even, like, unless it's Iron Studios, who everything there is, like, a thousand. But everything else is, like, like four max. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I feel like... I feel like for, for it to be a price point that I would consider, it would have to be, I don't know, under 200 before I would pick something. And I would really struggle. Like, if it was 100, I'd probably do it. But for more than 100, I would really have to justify getting it as beautiful as it is I, yeah. I mean you know it's still just a statue and i don't yes. know yes but yeah when you i know, saw you that you know what it is too it's in no way disrespecting prince who, who was respectfully looking for this you know what i mean like i know people love prince and i'm a prince fan but like 800 dollars. yeah it's not like they were banging down the doors for a prince statue and i'm saying this once again with all of the respect prince definitely deserves he is one of the pioneers of music, but eight hundred dollars is so prohibitive. Yeah, I I, I know they're gonna sell out, but gee, Jesus, the secondary market for this thing is gonna be thousands, thousands. I, you know, I don't know about that. I bet that everybody who wants one's gonna get it now, or ten years from now you'll be able to pick them up much cheaper as the people who bought them drop dead, and then their uh, their relatives go. What the hell is this? Let's just sell it on eBay, and they'll they'll go fifty down. bucks. <laughs> yeah, we you know it, my my father in law is a uh, really solid thrift store shopper, and uh-huh. um, so he picks up uh, some board games at thrift stores. Every and every now and then, you know, you'll see a game that you know would sell in, in a in a, a local game shop for fifty, sixty, seventy five bucks, and you see it at the thrift store for you know two to five dollars, and he's like. This is awesome. I'm going to pick it up because the, the, the people that work at the thrift store don't know the value of that game. They don't know if it's any better than you know any other game. But then every, every very rarely, you know, there'll be five, six, ten of those expensive games in a thrift store. And it's like, yeah, this is either somebody died and their relatives yeah. don't know that these games have value, so they donated them. Or somebody got divorced and the ex is like, get those things out of my house and just donated all their crap to the thrift store. Because I, like some I of these expensive things. Yeah. I have a quick story about that when you're done, though. Oh, go ahead. So, I had a gentleman come in when I was working at the comic shop near my house with some magic cards saying, like, hey, my brother passed away recently. Uh, He said, sell these at some point. Uh, What can I get for them? And we looked through, and it was like, all right, uh, we'll do... It was like, it didn't look like anything. Like, all right, we'll do, like, a hundred bucks. And then we look through it. Thousands of dollars. 
thousands of dollars because there was like more. I didn't even re- I'm going through this like, oh, this isn't like there's more in here than I realized. And the guy's happy. He's like, listen, a hundred bucks and it's gone. But like thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. Yeah, and that's and it. People you know, don't even realize you, you, the value you never of this know. stuff. Yeah. I mean, because again, it's only valuable to somebody who knows the value of it, right? So, yes. you know, if, if 99 out of 100 people see that sitting on the shelf at a thrift store, they don't know what it is. And, you know, and even if they know what it is, they wouldn't know how to, uh, you know, put a valuation on the cards. And you really have to trust that the comic book store guy doesn't screw you and give you 100 bucks for thousands of dollars worth of cards, right? Listen, listen. Honestly, honestly, it wasn't even me being a scumbag because I'm telling you, there were. I looked through these cards and I didn't see them. And then I'm looking through again. It's like, what the fuck? There's, I'm, there, there was either like a fairy or like <laughs> there's a hidden compartment in that box because, listen, the guy was happy. He got he got the money and then he was gone. But, I mean, if you don't know any better, my yeah. friend who plays Magic said, listen, when I go, you take my cards to a store, like a good <laughs> like store, and you make sure you get your money's worth. Yeah. You know, I mean, over the years – with with the stuff that I collect, quote unquote, collect, you know, mm. I, I used to have stuff that I kept in boxes, and you know, and again, I've I don't have as much stuff as I used to. I've stopped buying certain things. I I, I do more like buying like art and artist alley about of Batman or this or that. But it's like at some point, I realize it's like I'm not buying this item to save for somebody to then sell when I'm dead, right? I'm buying this little Batman statue or whatever, or the Prince statue, right? It would be for me to enjoy. So I'm not going to keep it in a box somewhere where I can't look at it and enjoy it. I'm not going to keep it in a a product archive storage unit somewhere, right? I'm going to put it where I can see it and enjoy it. And and again, I, Scott I mean, made that remark, Kevin. Scott made that remark. <laughs> but it, but and it's it's made a big difference. I mean, you know, when when uh, me and my lovely wife, when we got married and started to decorate our home, and it was like, you know, I was like, oh well, you know, can I put some of this stuff up? And she's like, yeah, it's your stuff that you like. Put it up there. So like, you know, our loft out there has all my Batman art and all my Batman stuff out there, and I've got another wall over here that's all you know Firefly and Buffy and all my weed and stuff. And so I've got, I I just I get to display all the stuff that I had and I, I get to see it all the time and I get to enjoy it. And I think that that, that matters. So, um, you know, but like I said, it's not, it, it doesn't matter that if it's got some kind of value, if I've got some rare, you know, Comic-Con exclusive Batman statue that I opened the box and put it up and enjoyed it. I don't care if it's worthless after I'm gone because you know what? Brittany doesn't want to sell it for profit she doesn't again it's i mean she probably wouldn't get rid of it anyway because it's going to be a reminder right and i'm like and i'm like no just get rid of it go give it to a thrift store whatever let somebody else who likes that stuff enjoy it you know i mean i don't know all right so we have a new segment this week this is our new kickstarter of the week segment geek stuff kickstarter of the week Oh, that 
shreds. <laughs> Production. All right, that was probably too long, but that's all right. We're going to start trying to talk about a Kickstarter uh, every week and you know, be on the lookout out there. So first of all, if there's a Kickstarter you would like us to take a look at, give us a call on the GVM line. 201-730-2547. Or hit us up on the uh, social medias, right? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, just let us know. Bring it to our attention so we can take a look at it. The one I want to talk about today is, uh, it's called Point Nemo, and it is a an adventure for a RPG game called 321 Action. So this was written by John Hambone McGuire. He's over on the Vintage RPG podcast. So I don't know if you've ever listened to that podcast, but... Um, OG mentioned it on this show a few years ago, and I started listening to it, and I really appreciate it. Um, anyway, uh, so John and his friend put together a set of gaming rules for what they call a cinematic gameplay. So it's kind of like you're in an action movie, right? Uh -huh. So they wanted it to be make the rules kind of easy, and so that it's going to lead more towards uh, the rolling of the dice is not going to be on every single thing. It's a little bit more kind of fun to play. So... In Point Nemo, this is the sequel to Rocket to Russia, which was the first one, which they kickstarted last year. And I have that one right here. Right? I got my Rocket to Russia. Ooh. Um, so the, all this is the rules and the first kind of intro module. And so Point Nemo is the sequel to it. And I'll just read the little flavor text. A documentary film crew lost at sea and shipwrecked on a mysterious island full of monsters and intrigue. A billionaire who knows more than he seems and his bodyguards struggling to keep him alive. An evil lurking in the jungle, stalking them to a deadly game. This is Point Nemo. So, I guess Point Nemo is the place in the middle of the ocean where all the space junk ends up. And so, mm -hmm. that's kind of was the premise for the idea. And so, I would encourage you to go check out kickstarter.com slash projects. And it's John Hambone McGuire slash Point Nemo. So, if, again, if you search for Point Nemo or John Hambone McGuire in the Kickstarter, you'll find it there. But again, it's just it's designed to be played in in a night or over a couple of short sessions, uh, keeping it quick and easy. And then it's going to, this one's going to come with, regardless of which level you support it at, you'll get a, a Christmas adventure around Christmas time as well. So there's a bonus adventure nice. coming too. Save Santa Claus, featuring more explosions. Right, I'm, I'm sure. And, and so, uh, and then also, I know on Rocket to Russia, and I believe it's going to be on all of them, there will be an audio book at, at certain levels as well, where you can just kind of get the audio version of the, uh, of the module, of the book. So, uh, again, I, I was able to talk to John a little bit about it. He's a, a very nice guy. Again, Vintage RPG Podcast is a lot of fun to listen to as well. Um, but check out Rocket to Russia over on Kickstarter. All right, so the next segment is going to be another uh, production leading into the theme park segment. We're going to talk about theme parks. Geek Stuff, theme park news. This is why you're the unpaid producer. Unpaid producer, yeah. I had, had a little time on my hands this week. Uh, so, but there was a lot, actually a lot of stuff, uh, last time it was just you and I, or I think the time before last was when that guy climbed to the top of the, the, the ride at Knott's Berry Farm. And he climbed even higher this time? No, no, that, that didn't happen again. But this time over at Shanghai Disney, somebody had COVID and they literally wouldn't let everybody leave the park until they all took a COVID test. So it was like 34,000 wow. COVID tests. You were stuck in the park. So that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. And no, I wonder in the least horrible way possible. It's like, are you stuck here and you can't go on rides? 
Yeah, I want. I mean, I don't know. Can you just... go on Space Mountain and wait for your rapid test to be done? <laughs> right. So yeah, so everybody had to take their their tests. Um, but really, I wanted to talk about uh, Disneyland and and the Magic Keys. Right, they replaced the annual passes with Magic mm-hmm. Keys, and yes. so now the top level Magic Key it's sold out. So you can't even get the one that doesn't have any blackout dates anymore. And, oh, yeah. and even though it quote-unquote doesn't have any blackout dates, you still need a reservation to go, and there's no reservations available for, you know, about six weeks. So so technically what people are doing when they have their magic keys is they're squatting on the reservations, right? Oh, there's an opening. I can go next Thursday. Let me just say I'm going to go. And then, it, then you know, Wednesday night they'll go, okay, I'm not going to go, and they cancel their reservations. So they've created yeah. a scarcity of availability, but that just means that even when you have – a magic key, which used to be an annual pass, you can't just say, oh, I'm just going to pick up and go to Disneyland, right? You have to have a reservation, and if there are none available, you just can't go. So that kind of sucks. do you see the reservations being a, a post-COVID thing still, or is this just a COVID thing, you believe? I, I mean, I'm hoping that it will go away, because I'm very unhappy with the situation, um, but... I think part of it is that they, they actually don't have, they're not staffed at 100%, right? So they yes. don't have their staffing level, so they need to keep attendance to a level that they, they can handle with their staffing. So that's one issue. Another issue is because they're not having the uh, the shows and the parades and their dining is, is all mobile order, uh, there are fewer lines for people to get in. So that also keeps the park more crowded. You know, because there's not as as many things for people to do, right? Under yeah. normal circumstances, there's a bunch of people sitting on the ground waiting for the parade or for the fireworks show. Well, those people aren't crowding the rest of the parks, right? Well, those options aren't there right now, so the crowd, the park gets more crowded with fewer people. So I do think that it's helping them to control it. I just hope it goes away because to me, although you can justify why they're doing it because they're short-staffed for those reasons that i just said it also feels a little like a slap in the face when they say oh here's this top of the line pass that's you know 15 1600 bucks no blackout dates oh but you can't get a reservation for six weeks right that sucks you paid to be able to go 365 days a year but there's you can't go for six weeks that really bothers me so i'm hoping that they will um fix that i feel like Disney and specifically the parks have been taking advantage of their of, of the fact that they're so popular and the demand is so high. They've raised prices five times in the last five years, so they've raised prices every year pretty significantly, right? And they're they're creating yeah. surge pricing. So if you want to go in the middle of the summer, it's going to be more expensive, you know. So again, I just the demand is going to be there. That's what sucks. They know they can get away with it, and so it just feels like they're kind of taking advantage of their fans. I remember when I was a uh, a young lad, when I was a young warthog, I'm not going to say it again. Um, I went to Disneyland. I want to say I was like 17. So this was 2014. I went to Disneyland for a day by myself, which was one of the best things I had in my life. I remember it was $90 to get in for the day. Yeah. It's like $90. This is ridiculous. I guarantee now it's got to be what, like $400. I mean, I think a one day, a one day single park ticket is probably 150 ish. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, when so when when Brittany and I got married, right, 2015, we got married in the Ultimate Pie Day, right, 3.1415. That year, we bought the deluxe pass, which gets you into every Disney park in the United States, right? Oh. Wow. So all the water parks in Florida, all the parks in Disney World, and then all the, uh, you know, Disneyland and, and DCA here. 
And we paid less for that than uh, than the pass that I have now, which has a bunch of blackout dates and only gets me into Disneyland and Disney California Adventure, right? So, like, the prices have gone up dramatically as a percentage over the last several years. And again, it's just, I mean, it's I understand it's popularity, you know, I mean, and supply and demand, but the demand's never going to go away. So it's just, you know, as I see as my kids get older, it's going to get cost prohibitive, right? Uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to buy those print statues because I'm spending all my money on, you know, Disney passes. Daddy, why can't we go to Disney World? Ask Prince. Yeah. Look, but look at this print statue. Look at that. We're not going to Disney World, but look at this print statue. Um, look, I have the print statue, and look at all these Batman black and whites I bought. <laughs> That's right. Look at all this Batman art on the wall. Um, so, yeah. And so then the last two things about uh, about theme parks, but it's mostly Disney related. They are uh, creating some uh, MCU content for the, the Disney cruise ships. Like and, and so that sh- seems kind of fun. Disney cruise ship is definitely on the on the wish list as well. You know, we want to go to Disney Paris. We want to go on a Disney cruise. But again, not not cheap to do those things. And then speaking of parades, the electric light parade at Disneyland is coming back. The most boring parade what I've is? ever seen. Yeah, have you ever seen the electric like light parade? I actually like that one a lot. <laughs> it's so slow. It takes so long in between the little I, I, little light I know, up guys. But I like that. I kind of like it. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm one of those just I don't know. I I <laughs> my t- I, I can just zone out enough during the pretty like oh pretty lights just just relax after like the long day like okay just stare at the lights you know I don't know if you had this in California uh, out here for for Christmas at uh, like at like one of those convention center things they had like Christmas lights up and you drive through and you mm-hmm. like, look at the lights I don't know if you had that out by you but we had that when I was a kid and it'd be like Three hours of us just driving by, like, oh look, Santa lights. Oh look, reindeer lights. Oh look, snowman lights. <laughs> so <laughs> it reminds me of that yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it does. I, and I feel like I feel like the electric light parade. It just feels so seventies. I'm like, it just feels like an old school. It's yes. it's nostalgia. It's not good. It's nostalgic, and there's a difference, right? Yes. Um, but anyway, so so I think uh, that's that's the uh, theme park news. I feel like we should go ahead and wrap up this Kevless episode here as we as we get uh, towards the end. There, I think I hear the wrap up music playing. Uh, so let's uh, let's hit the social medias. Go ahead and uh, well before we do the social medias, let's remind everybody again check us out on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/GeekStuffTNG. On the Facebooks, Twitters, Instagram, it's all GeekStuffTNG on all those places. And then uh, why don't you give yours? You can find me on Instagram at Xbox One, in theory, at Fat Dumbledore, F-A-T-D-O-M-B-L-E-D-O-R-E. And then what's Kev's? Um, he's BK Geek Stuff everywhere but Xbox One, where he's... Big Kev GS. Or, yeah, BK, yeah, Big Kev GS, like yeah. that. All right, and then I am at Piday Scott on Twitter and Piday Scott One on Instagram. So with that, we will bring uh, Mr. Sandwich this episode, episode six fifty seven, entitled "The Many Saints of Tatooine," to a close. The way we bring some episodes to a close by saying, "Good night, Big Kev, wherever you are." And on that note, we cue the music. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow 
shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow, and tomorrow is just a dream away. Man has a dream, and that's the start. He follows his dream with mind and heart. And when it becomes a reality, it's a dream come true for you and me. So there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow just a dream away. He follows his dream with mind and heart, and when it becomes a reality, it's a dream come true for you and me. So there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow just a dream away. So there's a great big beautiful tomorrow. Shining at the end of every day, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow, just a dream away. All right, hey, all right, good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. <laughs> <laughs>